It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, November 5th. Uh, after, of course, the LA Galaxy eliminated from the MLS Cup playoff contention, the regular season is over, the LA Galaxy now preparing for an offseason, and before any of that happens, it means uh, maybe perhaps a chance to catch up with players before they take off, and uh, that's looks like what is upcoming this week, and of course, as we're recording, uh, always a day early, it seems like, on Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. Always on Monday, never on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, it looks like the Galaxy will hold uh, some media availability and we'll learn a little bit more about the off-season plans and uh, maybe some bigger news as well. But uh, before we get anywhere, let's welcome back to the show uh, the guy who's always working hard for uh, the Galaxy story, uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Hey Pato, you sound a little hoarse. You, it, okay? you know what? It was. It did sound a maybe. Maybe that's my. Maybe I'm the horse now instead of the the duck. Maybe maybe that's my new spirit animal. No, I don't know. Traveling well, traveling this weekend probably did it to me. I, I, I think, think so. my my spirit animal is Eeyore. Everything's always going bad. But you know, it is Monday. The uh, big election coming up this week. Some vote counting going on, and I'm wondering. Uh, you know, if you wanted to talk about uh, the election results, we right. got as you, as you know, uh, you said you've already voted, and of course, yes. of course, I'm not talking about anything but the MLS vote for uh, MVP, Comeback Player of the Year award, all that stuff. You you just lost us half. Everybody was like, "Oh, politics, I'm out." Um, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that's about as deep as we'll ever no, get into, no, into politics. What, is there something else going on? Some other vote I don't know. About? No, no, couldn't possibly be it. Um, no, I, by the way, it, being voting is on uh, November sixth. We're recording on November fifth. I would remind anybody who listens to this on Tuesday to to get out and vote, and that's about as political as I'll ever get. Uh, I honestly don't care who you vote for as long as that's what you believe in your heart. But uh, be nice I to do. people. I, be, I know. I was gonna say you do. <laughs> I was gonna say, be nice to people. That's that's my that's my thing. Being nice is always a thing. And by the way, I'll continue to say this. Uh, I said it on Twitter a little bit. And and Kevin, you do such a great job. Um, you know, covering the the LA Galaxy, covering LAFC, covering soccer. You know, in the United States, all around it. Um, and you get people who absolutely just sit up and tee up and wait for you to make tiny little mistakes and couldn't possibly put into context all of the stuff that you have going on in your mind. So when you make little hiccups here and there, people are jumping all over you all the time, and I'm here to say it's okay. I still love you, um, and I know that a lot of people appreciate what you do, so pay, pay no attention to those tr- to those Twitter idiots, all right? Well, yeah, I did have a couple of dings this week, and some people didn't understand why I called Bruce Arena uh, one of the biggest names in our sport, and that's because I consider our sport to be U.S. soccer. People were saying, oh, he's not bigger than Jose Mourinho. He's not bigger than Pep Guardiola. Look, I'm a Manchester City supporter. I know Bruce isn't bigger than Pep Guardiola, but I do think he's the biggest name in U.S. soccer. He's the only guy that's coached the team in two World Cups. He took him to the quarterfinals. He's won five MLS Cups. He's the, the second winningest coach in MLS history behind Ziggy Schmidt. Um, yes, Bob Bradley's accomplished a lot as well, but I think Bruce Arena right now is the biggest name in our sport if our sport is U.S. soccer. So that's one thing people teed off on. There was another one that only Alexi Lawless seemed to notice, which was strange. The, <laughs> the, the start to my story the other day said – that Bruce Arena came abo- uh, that Alexi was fired as GM after three straight winless seasons. What I meant, of course, was losing seasons. They had three straight losing seasons, and Alexi immediately caught on to that uh, and sent out a tweet saying, "Gosh, we're a lot wor- we weren't we're a lot uh, worse than I thought we were." 
And man, I must have read over that story seven or eight <laughs> times trying to figure out what he was talking about. And it happened after our print deadline ended that I saw that it was winless instead of losing. And I had a conniption fit. I just completely lost it. That's just an uh, inexcusable mistake. I was able to fix it online, but in the print edition, it came out three straight winless seasons. Got to think a copy editor might have caught that, that when a team played with three, three seasons would have been 112 games and they right. didn't win one. Right. Maybe that would have been something that a copier could have caught, but I wrote it that way. So yeah, I take responsibility. It's your fault. Well, see, that was the whole thing. Uh, the only reason that Alexi was the only one who saw that was everybody else was thinking that sitting going, yeah, that probably sounds about right for that time uh, yeah. around the LA galaxy. I don't think they won a game either. Whenever Alexi was, uh, was the GM there. So yeah, um, no, uh, very interesting, but no, I just wanted to say you do, you do a wonderful job and neither of us are perfect. I think you wrote about seven or eight stories that day. Um, I know cause you were talking to me and we were texting back and forth as we usually do. Um, and so yeah, I just wanted to say, I, I appreciate you, uh, even if nobody else does. Well, thank you. I just turned in uh, 80-inch story on Diego Maradona. Nobody, run next nobody week, knows so wait, wait for that. Nobody knows what 80 inches means. All right, it's a lot. It's, it's a, over 2,700 words. 20, nobody's gonna. That's too long. I'm not gonna read it. I'm out. Sorry, you had my support up until then. Speaking from the guy who can't write a game recap that is under a thousand words. That's that's uh that's my claim. That's about fame. right. That's yeah. a good game. Recap. Yeah, it's a good it's 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 thorough. It's thorough. Anyway, uh the LA Galaxy, some some news this week, some news last week. We didn't do the show on Thursday, Kevin, so there was nothing to discuss then. Uh of course I'm, I'm kinda glad that we didn't. Uh there was an article that came out and, and Doug McIntyre from Yahoo Sports did a did a great job digging around and uh, and doing some stuff. I, I really uh really appreciated reading his article. Uh you can see his article linked in mine if you go to cornerofthegalaxy.com where we talk about Bruce Arena and Todd Donovan. Uh, two names that appeared in uh, Doug McIntyre's piece. Two names among many, I should say, Kevin, uh, that appeared in, in his piece uh, for Yahoo Sports, but talking about the LA Galaxy and the discussions that some of the discussions they may have had um, and maybe it's not even recent, but with some of the old Galaxy names sort of popping up and 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 how that all sorts of comes around. So that was, uh, I thought, really interesting. And then before we get anywhere near, you know, talking about the Galaxy, we should once again remind everybody, we're recording on Monday night, uh, Monday, November 5th. There is a media availability for the LA Galaxy likely exit interviews. Uh, in fact, that's how it's being set up right now. But exit interviews for the players, which means that we'll get to talk to a whole bunch of players set up on November 6th at 9 a.m. So basically, about the time that you're probably listening to this podcast, uh, Kevin, I, you'll be there, and I'm 99% sure that I will be there in the morning as well uh, to talk to the players, to talk to uh, Chris Klein, to talk to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kevin, uh, all these guys who are, who are supposedly going to be there and ready for us to talk to. That is happening almost immediately after we're done with the show, which means that all of this show and a lot of things that we're about to talk about in this little vein are probably going to be outdated, so we'll we'll try to update some things. But there's a lot of lead-up to this, too, that we should probably explain. Yeah, I think, first of all, what you want to do, if you're listening to this podcast now on Tuesday, that you want to just turn it off and go to Twitter and see what actually happened, because there's a chance that everything we say here is going to be overtaken by vets, or not, or not. And the reason I say or not is a little bit of history. I talked to one of the players, and I said, uh, so you guys are having media – before I knew about this press availability, I said, so you guys are having – Exit interviews on Tuesday, which was what I was told by two Galaxy staff people. And the player told me, no, we're not doing that. We're going in for physicals on Tuesday. That's all I know about. Um, well, now it turns out there are exit interviews that all the players are supposed to be made available to the media. But the, the thing that's got me interested is when I wrote my piece this weekend, um, based off the Doug McIntyre story, and again, Doug McIntyre did a great job breaking that story. Um, when I 
when I did my reporting on the Doug, uh, Doug McIntyre story and what uh, is going on with Bruce Arena and perhaps Dodd Donovan and and what the offseason may hold and whether they can re-sign Zlatan, a lot of the offseason uh, you know, rumors, when I did that, I was told by two people in the galaxy that I should wait until this week, that don't write that story now, wait, because something is going to happen. Uh, I couldn't wait. I had to write something. So and I interviewed Chris Klein for that story, and I said, where are you with Zlatan? And he said, we may have some news early next week, as early as Tuesday. So then today, Monday, I get this press release from the Galaxy saying media availability Tuesday. I immediately messaged back and said, will Zlatan be there? And they said, yes. So I'm jumping to conclusions because that's what I do best. And I'm saying, huh, media availability that I was warned about, that I was told not to write a story about uh, Zlatan's contract because there might be news coming. And then there's news coming on Tuesday. So part of me says this could be there's a lot on news. They could be announcing whatever is going to go on with him, whether uh, if the galaxy want the media there and they're going to make an announcement, I really believe it's got, it, it, it's not going to be bad news. It, it could be that he's resigned. It could be that he's going on loan, but is coming back. That would be good news. I mean, even if he goes to AC Milan and plays through the rest of the Syria uh, season and comes back in May or June, that's still good news because he's still there for half the season. So it could be something like that, but on the other hand, knowing the galaxy, there's a lot of times that they really ramp stuff up, and then their their you know exclusive uh, announcement, big news announcement, is that they're they're changing their their boot sponsor, or they're going to have uh, use Adidas balls next year instead of Nike balls or whatever. That it doesn't turn out to be that big a deal. So I, I'm a little bit torn on this one. I do think that there's something going on. I do think that they may be ready to say something about Zlatan, but then at the other uh, at the same token. I'm prepared to go out there and be a bit disappointed by some very minor announcement that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, and, and the history is, obviously, we've been tracking it, that, that there's been lots of rumors, Kevin, about Zlatan Ibrahimovic going to play, I think, one time Manchester United, one time it was Real Madrid, um, and now it looks like AC Milan. And if we're, we're grading those, the AC Milan one seems to have the most fire, the most flame in it. Um, well, you, let, let, yeah. let, let me, but before we go too far, let me mention... Um, I, the apparently the Manchester United thing is done. Jose Mourinho right. said recently that he did was not prepared to welcome Zlatan back. Not that he didn't like him, but he just didn't feel like he fit in on the team. I'm told by by sources in Spain that Real Madrid never really had an interest and certainly don't now. They did say now we do not have an interest now. So we'll see what they just change coaches. We'll see where things go uh, are going forward. However, I did get a call from Italian uh, television today. An Italian television network wanted to talk about this. Um, they seem to think uh, some of the rumors that are hot and heavy in Milan now may be true. A couple of problems with that. One is the price they're talking about is 1.5 million euros. That is just way too similar to what he's getting from the Galaxy. Right. Um, it almost seems like someone just grabbed a price. And, and then they said the rest of the, the money would be made up with sponsorships. AC Milan does not pay players through sponsorships uh, you know, from other outside companies. So, And they have enough money to pay more than $1.5 million. So I don't buy that part of the rumor. What I do buy in that, though, is uh, Zlatan's agent is Italian, and he typically plants a lot of rumors in the Italian media. He has some pretty good uh, source or connections with the Italian media, and a lot of those guys carry water for him and will print whatever he gives them. I this kind of feels to me like AC Milan. It may happen. I mean, remember Beckham went there, and and the Galaxy have worked with AC Milan on these kind of uh, winter loans before. 
But Zlatan has said at 37 he doesn't want to go out on a part-time loan. And and everything else about the AC Milan rumors just don't feel correct. So I would be surprised if, if that's uh, what the agreement was. But if you know if Zlatan's going to stay in MLS, if that's the if that's what's going to be um, uh, released tomorrow, I don't see how that works with the roster the way it is. I mean, we've talked about there's just there's simply no money there. If Zlatan wants the raise that he deserves after scoring 22 goals, uh, one of the three DPs have to go. Well, well, what if what if it's just that he, the there's no change in contract? What if it's just that he comes? I mean, listen, we're playing what ifs here, and and certainly I think. It's. I'm hopeful that these answers will be given. I could also see Zlatan Ibrahimovic standing in front of us uh, tomorrow, Kevin, on, on this Tuesday for this media availability, and whenever he's asked whether or not he'll be back with the Galaxy next year, he's, he'll say, we still have to talk about it. Um, yeah, and that's that, possible. Yeah, and that's all the information we'll get. Now, I don't feel that way based off all, of all the information that you've given, and I certainly don't feel, and, and I've been getting a lot of text messages from a lot of people, um, sort of asking, you know, if they think this is good news or bad news, um, some players, some some others. So, like, the whole deal, I mean, it, whatever it is, maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's not known uh, team-wide yet, but but certainly for, for Zlatan to be available to the media, which he wasn't after the last game, we should point that out. Uh, he, he left before the media got into the locker room. So, uh, really, the game, as media, we haven't had a chance to talk to him, you know, since the, the game before the uh, the Houston game. Well, and, and I need to caution everybody, too. Um, the Galaxy have been, as they normally are, very circumspect about what they're talking about. And, again, we have different definitions of what big news is you know the other thing is we're, we're still looking for a coach yeah and that's a coach further down the pike than anything this could be uh about the coach and and there's um you know greg berhalter probably is not going to make an announcement um or he's made probably made the decision but probably not going to make an announcement until after columbus is done with the playoffs that would be a total distraction if he said in the middle of the playoffs hey guys i'm a lame duck i'm going to the u.s national team or i'm going to the galaxy that that would not be a good thing to do and so i i don't think that that's going to happen but uh, you know the bruce arena things uh, again by the time this podcast comes out some of this stuff's going to be known but but just to update everyone on the bruce arena thing i talked to bruce i talked to chris over the weekend um they did say uh, they didn't deny anything that doug mcintyre had written in his story but they did seem to think that it was a little bit overblown and um it, it sounds like bruce may not be coming back into as general manager director of soccer operations that right now they're simply talking. He may wind up being an advisor to Todd Donovan, or it may be one of these things where if they, if Greg Berhalter comes in, there's no room for Bruce probably or Todd. Um, but if they get somebody else like Porter, all of a sudden you need a strong GM. So this all may just simply be in the conversational stage. Um, I, I was sort of told to back off on the Bruce stuff. That yes, they've talked, and and yes, there's a relationship. But the idea that Bruce is is going to have some office space at StubHub Center, it, it's, uh, it might be, be pre- true. yeah, it just might be premature as well. I mean, I think from from what you've been saying too, Kevin, is that these talks probably happened, you know, right around the time that Siggy Schmidt was let go, and then they didn't necessarily happen yesterday. Um, and so that there might have been some time in between all this stuff. And we should go back and point out that in Doug McIntyre's article, and you should read it on Yahoo Sports, uh, he goes and he talks about uh, Bruce Arena possibly coming in as either a general manager or as a uh, a president of soccer ops, which is interesting in the wording that Doug chose there, and I don't think it was his own choosing. I think that it was uh, somebody else's. But there is already a vice president of soccer operations, Kevin, with uh, with uh, Pete Vianis taking over that, that right now. 
now. So you look at that and say, okay, well, is there room for a president and a vice president of soccer ops? So that certainly raises questions, even if it's not Bruce Arena, even if it's something else. But I, I thought the more interesting name, and I, and I certainly... I enjoyed the rumors about Bruce Arena because I think him in a general manager slash uh, president of soccer operations role is a it would be a, a good move for the Get Galaxy. And I know people are saying, oh, well, that's old news. You already went with Bruce. This is in a different role. And Bruce Serena, after uh, leaving the LA Galaxy, I think has spoken, Kevin, about, you know, that he didn't enjoy the traveling that much. We knew that, I think, even whenever he was coaching the Galaxy at some point towards the end. Uh, wasn't enjoying the traveling as much. And realized that when he did it as GM and head coach that he could do it in the, in the league. But with the league being as complicated as it is now, um, and it, it gets more complicated as, as it keeps going, uh, that you need somebody in two different sections there. You need a general manager or you need somebody who's overseeing this stuff, and you also need a head coach, um, and that those two things working together, uh, those two people working together, might be better suited for MLS 3.0 than trying to have one guy doing both things. Well, so, Bruce... When Bruce came in, the, the, the team was in the middle of its third straight losing season, um, and they went to the playoffs eight years in a row with Bruce, and since he left, they've lost a franchise record uh, 30 games over a two-year period and failed to make the playoffs both times. So certainly, Bruce is the link to their most successful time. They won three MLS Cups under him. Significantly, he kept his house in the South Bay. He did not sell it. His family, his wife wanted to go back to Charlottesville, but they kept the house there. So Bruce still has a place here. Um, and... He, you know, he's in his mid-60s, but he does not feel old at all and has said many times that he wants to, to stay involved in soccer. He wanted to stay with U.S. soccer. He wanted sort of a, a developmental role with U.S. soccer. I don't think Ernie Stewart's going to give him that. I, I think that they've, they've moved on from that. So that leaves MLS, and certainly the Galaxy is the one place where he has had a lot of success. It would seem to be an organization that would, would want him. Interesting, though, you know, you talk about the front office thing. I do think there will be, uh, they may not call them firings. I don't think there's going to be some, la you know, last year there were lateral moves. Pete Viena stayed in his office but took a different title. Chris uh, Klein got a five-year contract extension. I do think that there, the fans are not going to take cosmetic changes this offseason. So whether Bruce comes in, whether Todd comes in, and if either one of them come in, by the way, other people in that front office, either Peter Yovan they're redundant. So there's going to be somebody going, I think. I think that's probably going to happen regardless. I think there's going to be another sacrificial lamb. Um, I just don't think that the Galaxy are going to try to go by by saying we fixed everything by keeping the same people. And AEG's other Southern California team, the Kings, got off to a poor start and uh, they just fired their coach. Uh, it was about 12 games, 13 yeah. games into the season. Um, so if if the, at the, on the King side and, and, you know, a couple of years ago, they fired their general manager too and coach. So a, a coach and general manager duo that took them to two Stanley cup titles. So if the Kings, uh, you know, if they decide that the Kings need front office restructuring when they have a losing season, uh, it's interesting to note that they don't make the same moves with the galaxy. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. It, there seems to be a division. I, I think I wanted to bring up the, just the AEG firings over, uh, over at the Kings, just because to understand that a guy like, you know, Beckerman, Dan Beckerman, is split between those two, and the LA Kings get more attention. Uh, it's absolutely true. I mean, I don't think how you could you could argue against that. But the Kings get more attention, and so with that going on, uh, you know, maybe there's less attention from the on the LA Galaxy right now, at least from the AEG perspective. So. I think it's very interesting to see how those two teams work and operate, Kevin. And like you say, they seem to operate sometimes in different ways and, and with different priorities. 
Um, I want to go back to Todd Donovan a little bit because the first thing that happened whenever we read that Todd Donovan's name was in there was that I saw people say, great, another former Galaxy player who hasn't proven anything, Um, you know, blah, 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 the whole deal. You know, obviously people are are referring to Chris Klein and Pete Vianis and Jovan Karofsky, all former LA Galaxy players, Um, and people seem to think that they're short on resume, which I would agree that most of them are short on resume. Uh, I will say this, uh, that if Todd Donovan came in, he would be one of the most... uh, uh, I don't know. He would have one of the longer resumes of those of that group, and he's sort of an up up and coming guy, which sort of makes sense. And not that Doug, I think Doug McIntyre and his story, Kevin, put these two together this way, but I think it makes more sense in my mind if you bring in, you know, basically the Godfather of soccer of U.S. soccer there with Bruce Arena, who's overlooking as the president of soccer ops, uh, and then you bring in somebody who's a young and up and coming guy, uh, a guy who who uh, worked for the NASL's uh, San Francisco Deltas, the SF Deltas, who won NASL in its first and only season, uh, and then went on to Sacramento Republic. Todd Dunman went on to Sacramento Republic. Is the general manager there took them from eighth to second this year um so you look at sort of the the track record that he's had in putting together teams and already that's a very good strong track record but it's not necessarily a guy who you just want to set on the la galaxy you know the supposedly the league's crown jewel um and just let him go he he needs some guidance and who better to guide him than bruce arena sort of with that overlook uh and being able to see all the pieces and everything that goes and you let bruce arena and chris klein work together and you keep uh, the decision making to you know Todd Donovan and Bruce Arena and allow those two to work and eventually you get to turn that over to Todd Donovan as you know the the overall general manager and maybe he even he takes over that that soccer ops job to me that seems like the best combination of young and old and experienced and and up and coming talent because for the Galaxy they need some new blood they definitely do and some of that new blood could be old blood like Bruce Arena and it could be old blood like Todd Donovan which are at two different sort of stages I really. I really like Todd Donovan. I always have whenever I covered him here uh, on the Galaxy, whenever he was on the Galaxy. uh, He was a ridiculously smart player. He's the smartest player in terms of overall general knowledge uh, and and just his understanding of the world at large. He's probably the smartest player I ever covered. Um, So for for that reason, I think he would be a great addition. Um, Certainly the footballing minds, Nigel DeYoung and Ashley Cole, are are two of my favorites in terms of how smart they were uh, footballing-wise. Zlatan Ibrahimovic may be up there as well, just their their understanding of the game. But whenever you look at at those guys and and what they were able to do, but but Todd Donovan is a smart guy, and if the Galaxy get in on the ground floor with Todd and it ends up working out, you could have somebody who really sort of cements uh, a position with the club for a long time, Kevin. That's why I think it makes a lot of sense to involve Bruce in this in some way. And it may be quiet sort of, uh, uh, you know, a whispering role where he doesn't uh, really have a title or anything. But when you think back to the galaxy and you go back to Tim Laiwiki days, and one thing that Tim Laiwiki did that I don't think Dan Beckerman does is he groomed people. He was looking toward the future. Uh, and you look at some of the people he groomed. Greg Berhalter was a guy, the galaxy brought him in as a player, made him an, a player coach. He was an assistant coach, sent him to Hammerby over in uh, Sweden uh, where he did his internship as a coach and came back and and now he's been uh, doing you know great with Columbus and now is a candidate for the U.S. Men's National Team job. That was somebody that Tim Laiwiki identified very early and said, we want to groom this guy. We think he's going to be special. He wound up being special somewhere else, but he Tim Laiwiki was right, is my point. He brought Chris Klein in. That was the idea. He thought Chris Klein was a very smart guy, knew soccer, was going to be a good executive. And you know what? Chris Klein was a good executive when Bruce was there. The problem was when Bruce left and that the Jovan, Chris Klein, 
uh, Vienna's uh, Troika decided that they were going to just take an axe to everything Bruce had done. And I, I do think there was a little bit of chutzpah there that their decision was, we want to prove we can do this without Bruce. Bruce is the 800-pound gorilla. God, I do use that uh, reference a lot, don't I? Yes, Someone yes, you got do. me for that. It, it, Bruce is the big guy that sort of sucked all the oxygen out of the room. And those people did not get credit for what they did. And so one of the things they did is that's why I think one reason you saw the 180-degree switch from from the Bruce teams to the young team under Kurt Anoffo, that these guys wanted to show – that they could do it on their own. You know what? They can't. They didn't. It, it was a disaster. This year was a, a, a smaller disaster, thanks to Zalatan, but they didn't make the playoffs. So I think there is some admission that these guys worked really well when Bruce was there. Um, I don't think Chris Klein's a zero. I think he has a lot to add to this team, but I think he needs Bruce help, Bruce's help and guidance. And I think if Bruce comes back, uh, there's a chance things will get better. And I see the same thing with Todd Dunavit. Todd Dunavit was another guy that the Galaxy looked at and said, this is a bright, capable guy. He's a Stanford Business School graduate. He wants to be a, a general manager type. He wants to be an executive. Dan Kennedy, another guy that they did the same thing with. They're grooming him now. Um, so they, Todd Donovan was always going to come back, in my mind. It was just a matter of time. He had to go away and learn a few things. He did. He did. He succeeded, as you mentioned. He was with Sacramento and USL last year. So now it, it makes sense for Todd Donovan to come back. But again, for Todd Donovan to come into the front office as currently constituted would be a disaster because um, there's nobody there to teach him anything. Uh, and there's probably not enough confidence, uh, self-confidence there to allow him to make decisions. So you need to bring uh, somebody like a Bruce in to sort of hold this thing together. I, I think that would be a successful combination. The drawback is this is kind of like letting your adult kid back in the house after he moved out. Once Bruce, if, if they bring Bruce back, and this is a big F. We don't know this. If they bring Bruce back, if they say this is the key to our future success, um, you can kind of sit, see where it sits up a scenario that we can never do this without Bruce. You know, Bruce will be here for life. We can't succeed without Bruce. And and I, I don't think you want to set that up long term either. Well, I mean, and we also have to go back to when Bruce Arena left for U.S. soccer. And, and granted, Kevin, we understand that going to U.S. soccer on the rescue mission that he was trying to do, leaving the L.A. Galaxy, was something that he wanted to do. But the Galaxy also made that decision pretty easy for him as they ran Dave Sarakin out of town. Um, and then, you know, Bruce really felt like things... I. I felt uh, talking to Bruce, he seemed like he had he had sort of soured on the whole Galaxy uh, situation. And we have talked about Giovanni Dos Santos coming in, possibly against his will, actually probably against his will. Um, you know, uh, uh, the Steven Gerrard as well, probably against the Nigel de Jong decision, which we've talked about a whole bunch and, and sort of said. He was, so, I mean, Bruce was ready to leave whenever he left the LA Galaxy. So him coming back, there has to be some a little bit of fence mending, I would have to imagine. But I'd also imagine that Bruce is going to come back and, and have a little chip on his shoulder to say, hey, you guys kind of drove me out last time, and now I'm back here, and I'm I'm here to save you. Uh, that might be enough for uh, for Bruce Arena in this oh, particular yeah. case. I mean, payback's going to be a bitch for yeah. some people in there. Uh, I, I know for a fact that the former coaching staff, and I'm not going to say which member of the coaching staff told me, but I know for a fact that that coaching staff did not want Gio, did not want Steven Gerrard, uh, and um, uh, they did – Nigel they, de Jong was the was they the one. wanted to keep keep Nigel de Jong. One of the 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 coaches told me if they had kept Nigel de Jong in that on that team in 2016, if they had not let him go, which was a financial decision, clear and simple by AEG, they didn't want to pay uh, make Nigel a, a DP when he uh, reached his his contract. Uh, uh, I think it was 24 games he had to play, and then this contract would turn into a DP contract. The coaching staff told me they would have won MLS Cup that year with Nigel de Jong if they had kept him. So um, these are three things that you know. 
uh, when Bruce comes back, I'm sure that anytime there's a discussion, <laughs> Bruce is going to drop in. How, remember that time decision we made about Nigel a couple years ago? How did that work out again? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of that in the, in the beginning stages. But, um, you know, Bruce has an ego, but it, it's an ego that, in my mind, I like Bruce a lot. I, I, Bruce has an ego, but it's an ego because he's accomplished things. And when you accomplish things, sometimes you, it's okay to have a little bit of an ego. It's a lot of times the same way, right? Yep. yep. Zlatan has a big ego, but why? Because he's accomplished a lot. Yeah, I was going to say that sometimes their, their egos are pointed in the correct direction, which is usually that they're competitive. Uh, and that's why the ego is there. And that, that ego drives them to be even more competitive and more successful. So I, I like those guys. There's some guys who just have ego for ego's sake um you know mostly people who peaked in high school i have to, i have to imagine but uh as it goes for for zlatan or for bruce or even for guys like robbie Keane or landon donovan there were egos in each one of those players uh david beckham same way they all had egos um but most of those egos drove those guys uh to be a better competitor to be a better player and, and to really almost not tolerate losing and and i think you get that with bruce i think you get that with uh guys like zlatan ibrahimovic that losing really isn't an option um you're not allowed to do it and it's something that you can't do. Um, and so when it happens, they're they're greatly affected, which will be interesting to see if we hear from Zlatan and, and sort of his idea on, on the whole season and his time in MLS. I don't know. It, it's very interesting. The front office thing becomes more and more interesting. Uh, the Galaxy are insistent, by the way, Kevin, uh, and I believe I'm not out of turn in saying this, but the Galaxy are insistent they've talked to multiple people um, and not just Bruce Arena and Todd Dunavant. They say multiple people uh, from all over the, uh, the, the country, the world, um, and that they're they're doing a comprehensive search, but the two names that have popped up so far are Bruce Serena and Todd Donovan. Yeah. And good choices. Uh, oh, well, let's just say, yeah, you said popped up. That's the only names that we've heard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and certainly uh, we've reached out, I've reached out to uh, some people to find out more. Uh, it is staying relatively quiet, which is always interesting. Um, and we'll see how it all sort of sorts of sort of plays out. But the interesting thing here is I want to make this very clear. Bruce Arena, not coming in as a coach, Todd Donovan, if he comes in, if either of these guys comes in, not coming in as coaches, these are front office hires. And we talked about looking for a coach and it's one of those things where you're sitting there going, you know, chicken and egg, which is going to come first. It seems like the Galaxy are focused on finding front office fix and then bringing in the coach afterwards. But again, Kevin, you and I have talked about this many times. The Galaxy need to solidify all of this and rather quickly because they have to start making decisions about 2019, 2019 contracts. I mean, you're having exit interviews right now, basically, with the players uh, who will talk to the media. It's unknown whether or not the, the Galaxy are telling any of the players what their future is. Um, which will be interesting to sort of find out as well if we can if we can pry some information from. But it, it's all these things that are lining up that these things cannot take a long time. I know Chris Klein certainly was talking about you know making sure it was a thorough search and all that stuff, Kevin. But at the same time, they don't get to wait on this forever, and they have to make a decision relatively sh soon. What well, part of it could be uh, determined by the new coach? And I think I. I, I... I mean, to me, that would seem to be the correct way to proceed. The coach, everything else springs from the coach. Uh, again, if it's Greg Berhalter, and uh, they know by now. I, I mean, I think U.S. soccer knows. Greg Berhalter certainly knows. The Galaxy knows where Greg Berhalter is going to go. So if they've moved on from him, then you're looking at a situation where maybe they need a coach and a general manager. You know, another guy whose name is still in the mix uh, and is here and can make a decision right away is Dominic Kinnear. And he, yeah. I've heard his name mentioned as both the GM and, and as a coach. Um, but it, it would seem to me that before you can decide, do you want to bring B Dave Romney back? And Dave Romney is one of the players that has to be re-signed. So is Ima Boateng. Before you make a decision on whether those guys come back and you offer them new contracts, you got to figure out who your coach is. Now, Porter is one guy who 
um, has been talked about. He's Chris Klein's old college roommate. He's very successful coach uh, at the college level. And then with the Portland Timbers is out of a job right now. Um, if he comes in, a guy like Ramon Alessandrini, who there's been talk that he may be traded to Montreal. I spoke to his agent this weekend. His agent knew nothing about it. So that's kind of interesting. But Ramon Alessandrini does not fit into, into in Caleb Porter's playing style. He likes box-to-box players, end-line-to-end-line end-line players. And we know Ramon does not track back aggressively defensively. A guy like Ola Kamara proved he can do that. So um, you have to look at, the, you know, it, does these, do these players fit in with this coaching style? You know, maybe if a coach comes in, he doesn't want Boateng back for whatever reason. So deciding how you're going to do with all your contracts and how you're going to spend all your money before you know if the coach even wants those players, I think it'd be a big mistake. Yeah, and, and again, Roman Alessandrini goes into, you know, the, the rumor that he uh, is interested or that Montreal is interested in him. Um, and that seems to be probably something that is real, that Montreal does indeed have interest in Roman Alessandrini. And if the LA Galaxy are trying to clear up a de- designated player spot, as we have theorized before, uh, it is one of the ways that they could move Zlatan into a DP slot. And then also, by the way, clear up $1.5 million in TAM uh, to go out and get some other players as well. So there are ways for the Galaxy to sort of do this stuff, and and that is one of the ways that Ramon Alessandrini possibly going to Montreal. But as you say, his agent says that he has he's heard nothing of it. So you know, but, but th- that's interesting too because the the aforementioned Doug McIntyre. This is the Doug McIntyre love fest. The aforementioned Doug McIntyre lives in Montreal, um, is very close to the impact, and said that there is a great appetite there, a great desire to bring in Ramon Alessandrini, and they've already talked about how he would fit in with the team. Now his agent says he doesn't know anything about it. Uh, I'll take his word for it, but he may not have to know anything about it. I mean, in MLS, uh, unlike other sports, um, it's a single entity uh, setup. The, the Montreal Impact and the LA Galaxy do not own the players. The league does, and they could, you know, if the two teams agree, they don't necessarily have to go to the agent, is my understanding. They don't have to go to the agent for approval, that they can simply move the contract, open up that DP spot, and all of a sudden there's room for Zlatan, and also you could bring Porter in as a coach, and he has a, a roster that is much more fitting for his style. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it goes to the difference of of trades, really, Kevin, when you look at it. I mean, trades versus transfers. And in Major League Soccer, you can trade, and the trade basically would be Ramon Alessandrini goes for probably cash of some sort uh, or or anything else. Who knows what would come back in, the, in response? Maybe it's a defender. Uh, maybe it's something like that. So that's how... You have to sort of pay attention to these different things that that are, can happen in the in the way that you can move things throughout the league. So I think that's very interesting. That's something we'll have to continue to look at. Um, I'll go ahead and say we do have a bunch of Galaxy fan questions, so I want to get to those. Most of them are asking about Zlatan, by the way. Um, by the way, before you get to yeah. that, just real quickly, because you mentioned Defender, and all the attention right now is on, you know, Zlatan. What do we have to do to to create space for him? And it's it's very uh, a, I guess an offensively oriented conversation you know right. if if we keep Zlatan we have to move one of the midfielders whether it's uh G or Roman Alessandrini let's not forget the big issue still on this team remains the back line Ashley Cole probably not coming back so now you you've lost 34 games uh or 32 starts at left back you really didn't have a backup right back so now you're weak at both uh outside back positions Dave Romney who played there before proved himself to be much better at center back paired with Daniel Steris he's out of contract has to be re-signed Daniel Steris is in his option year so they need to make an offer to him um both of those guys are due huge raises in my mind um so I, all I, this talk about brings a lot time back would all be great but I think you need to worry about the back line too that's totally in disarray right now 
No, I, no, I think you're right about the back line. I don't know if those guys are huge. I think Romney is underpaid. I think Stares uh, would probably they would probably pick up his option at his number. So I don't know that they would uh, they would look at a, a raise for him. But Romney making less than Stares right now. So you could certainly see uh, how those two seasons played out. But you're right. I mean, Shelvick making a million dollars. What do you do with that? Is there a way to salvage that contract? Is there an option year built into that, which we don't believe there is? Uh, you know, can the Galaxy just decline the option and they get a million dollars back on the back line and they get rid of uh, Michael Ciani, who we expect to be gone six hundred and twenty thousand dollars uh so there's lots of things that can happen for the galaxy to move some stuff around but unfortunately mls being mls kevin we're we're a little sidelined and hampered by the fact that we don't know contract uh lengths or terms uh in terms in terms of options and everything else so it's going to be a question mark of who the la galaxy keep and and how they go through all this stuff it's a it's a great thing yeah and that you just mentioned that i know i know you want to move on but you just mentioned a great point we don't know contract lakes we don't i mean if you can I was told the other day by a general manager from another team, he said, if you ask me a direct question, I will answer it, but I'm not going to volunteer any information, which in some ways is fair, but in some ways isn't fair, uh, because then we have to play 20 questions on everyone on the team. And the point I'm going to make is, in other sports, you do know a lot of that information, and it leads to a lot of conversation. It leads to sort of that hot stove league, you know, the offseason, what are we going to do, and can we trade for this guy? Oh, he doesn't fit under the salary cap. Uh, MLS is so paranoid, and so uh, it lacks such transparency that none of this common information is known and so we can't have conversations i mean we can't talk about trading for a defender because we don't know what a salary is and, and what his contract situation is and the galaxy is certainly not going to trade a guy under contract for a guy they have to resign because then all of a sudden it takes you take a cap hit and i i wish all this information was out there as a journalist i wish it was out there because i'd like to know but i i would think fans would like to join this conversation too and we can if we don't know what we're talking about yeah i mean that's one of the biggest questions uh not to name drop but i was on espn radio on friday uh that was totally yeah i was gonna say it was totally name dropping uh with with dame denholm uh, on his soccer weekly show and we were talking about zlatan ibrahimovic and he goes you know josh if there's a contract there's a contract like i said and i i countered i said yeah you're right but we don't know what that contract is zlatan ibrahimovic we were told signed a two-year contract with the la galaxy 1.5 million dollars per year what we don't know is if that second year is one an option year, if it's an option year for the club, if it's an option year for the player, if it's an option year for both of those, or if it's a mandated second year uh, that's in there. So, I mean, right now, it feels like there's an option in there, and it could be Zlatan's option, and he could be deciding whether or not he wants to come back. So, without knowing the specific type of contract and what year this is, it's this, obviously we're talking about the second year of a two-year contract, but we don't know if there's an option in there for Zlatan to just bail and be like, all right, I'm out, peace. And he could. Well, the, the other thing we don't know is, you know, the Beckham contract had all kinds of uh, writers in there for how many tickets they sold, and how many jerseys they sold and all that. And and it, they said it was supposed to be $250 million and never got close to that. You know, his actual salary was $32.5 million uh, for the, the the first contract he signed. And then there were these other clauses in there. It never got close to what he was promised. But my point is, we're talking about, or I'm talking about frequently, how Zalatan $1.5 million, what his contra- playing contract is for the Galaxy. That's sofa cha- uh, cushion change. Not likely to keep him here. What I don't know is, hey, he sold more shirts than anybody in MLS. Do, I don't know whether he gets a dollar a shirt. Does he get uh, you know money for when the, the team goes on the road to Minnesota and they sell 50,000 seats? So Laton talked about that 50,000 uh, uh, person crowd in Minnesota, state record for a soccer game. He talked about that a lot. And I'm wondering now, does he does he make money on some of that stuff? That would seem to make sense to me. And maybe if that adds up to five or six or seven million dollars and all of a sudden he's up around 10 million, Maybe AC Milan doesn't look good to him anymore, but I can't make that argument. You know why? Because 
no one will tell me if that's true because MLS won't release any of those figures. Well, going on right now, I'm sure all Galaxy fans will love this little part. Uh, MLS Cup playoffs currently going on. Just a quick update uh, on where everything is. Uh, RSL surprised everybody by beating LAFC 3-2. We won't go into discuss that too much. Uh, Portland beat uh, the FC Dallas 2-1 in the Western Conference knockout games. Both of those were knockout games. Eastern Conference knockout games. New York City over Philadelphia. And then uh, DC United and Columbus went 2-2, went to penalty kicks. Uh, Columbus advanced which means that we've already played the first first leg of the conference semifinals. Uh, the Western Conference semifinals was Sporting Kansas City in Real Salt Lake. Uh, the first game was at RSL. That, that game is tied 1-1 right now. So remember, aggregate scores and uh, away goal tiebreakers. Uh, the other game is Portland. Portland hosted the first leg. Portland 2-1 right now over the Seattle Sounders. That's an interesting one because unlike the other three games, Kevin, all three, all three of the other games will all be on Sunday, November 11th for the second leg of the Western Conference semifinals, except for this Portland-Seattle game, and that's because the Seattle game, which was which was being held at CenturyLink Field, couldn't be held on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday because there is an annual car show that is there. Um, and this sort of goes back to MLS and tenants and being tenants in a stadium and not owning your own stadium and not being able to control the old, your own schedule. But the Seattle Sounders will now have to play on November 8th um, which is on Thursday, November 8th uh, at CenturyLink Field. And by the way, the Portland Timbers, who had to play a knockout game and go to FC Dallas uh, in that game, uh, had to do all this traveling, then came home and had to play this other game, are probably going to be the most hurt by having a quick turnaround time again. Uh, but right now, currently leading that uh, that position. I just wanted to throw out that I thought it was really interesting that Seattle, one of the largest clubs in Major League Soccer, couldn't play its very big playoff game against its biggest rival uh, on the day that it should have been played, on the 11th, because they had a car show, an annual car show that was there. So anyway. And, and that's, yeah, that's a factor for another reason. If you look around at the attendance from these playoff games, they weren't very good. LAFC had it's you know announced twenty two thousand, and I was there, and it looked like every seat was taken. But a lot of the crowds in other places, the midweek games especially, looked pretty small. Dallas was was horrific. Yeah, it was. Um, so now Seattle, all of a sudden, I mean, that's the other part of this factor is the you know the, the lack of rest for Portland. It's a very short trip, so that's not a big problem. But Seattle used to having forty and fifty thousand fans in there may not get that many for this game because it's a Thursday night, right after daylight savings time. It's going to be cold. It's uh, going to get dark early. A lot of factors that may keep people home to watch the game on TV, and that could hurt the Sounders on the field as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, the Eastern Conference semifinals, Columbus Crew uh, hosted the first leg. They're up one nothing on New York Red Bulls. Uh, Zardes with, I was going to say, Jossie Zardes scores that goal, which makes it his 20th of uh, of 2018 right now. Scored 19 in the regular season. And remember, the 19 in the regular season ended with a, goal, uh, a hat trick in the final game Columbus had to win to get to playoffs. So you can make the argument that Giassi's pretty much carrying these guys right now. It very well could. Uh, and then the other Eastern Conference game is Atlanta United went to New York City FC in that posted stamp of a stadium at Yankee Stadium there uh, and beat New York City FC uh, 1-0. So they will go back to Atlanta with that one nothing away goal already in their pocket. And if there is ever a reason to, to, to root against New York City, uh, it's that way. Uh, no MLS Cup can ever be held at Yankee Stadium. That sounds like a good enough reason for me. Um, so that's where you sort of stand with the playoffs. The, the second legs of those coming up, like I said, on November 11th, for everybody except for the Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers, and I just wanted to make sure that I got everybody sort of the playoff update and where that is, and and so hopefully you're watching soccer. I don't know, Kevin, I had uh, it wasn't the, the knockout round games were some of the most exciting soccer I think I've watched in a very long time. Uh, some of the games were, were very bad.
bad in terms of the actual soccer being played, but we're so entertaining it didn't matter. Uh, the Columbus DC United game was was crazy uh, and very exciting, and I am now I think a bigger proponent of just doing knockout rounds. Uh, every game is a knockout game from here all the way to MLS Cup uh, because you at least get something that's pretty special whenever that happens, and it's two teams trying to beat each other uh, and making sure that you have a winner by the time you lo- leave the field. It, it, it's some exciting stuff for me. Well, I'm tra- I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways in sports, but I really, you know, and, and soccer traditionalists I know hate these playoffs. Um, the team that wins the the, the finishes uh, top of the table is supposed to be the champion. But I love these playoffs. I mean, you have a sixth place team like Real Salt Lake dead and buried before the Galaxy lost to Houston. Now you know, they're tied with this best team in the conference going in. You know, it's it's essentially now a winner take all game with uh, with uh, RSL against Sporting Kansas City. I, I just think these playoffs are really exciting. A sixth-place team uh, can knock off a first-place team. Look at look at Columbus, barely squeaked into the playoffs. Right. Now they are leading a team that set a record, uh, first team ever to finish over 70 points in MLS. Columbus could beat them and eliminate them. I, I just think this is really exciting. And and I have to say on a personal note, I'm really happy for Giassi's artists. I think everybody here in L.A. and Southern California knew that Giassi just needed a change of scenery, that no one drops off the radar uh, as much as he did last season with the Galaxy. And to see him, uh, you know, uh, reinvigorate his career and and be leading the team in the playoffs and and as you said, 20 goals. I know, you know, I, I voted for Zlatan Ibrahimovic for comeback player of the year, uh, guy that couldn't walk a year ago and then scores 22 goals. Uh, but Giassi is going to get a lot of votes too, especially from again talking about traditionalist people that think you know European imports shouldn't get some of these uh, uh, MLS awards. That Zlatan was coming back from nothing in MLF circles, where right. Giassi was coming back from a bad season. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I, I think a lot of people, me included, are happy to see Giassi having a good season, especially since it's not going to hurt the Galaxy at all. Yeah, the the comeback player of the year finalists, by the way, for MLS, and and they did start announcing the actual winners of these. And so pay attention throughout the week; they will continue to announce. Uh, the MLS awards as they come out, but the comeback player of the year finalists were uh, Osvaldo Alonso, so Ozzy Alonso, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, LA Galaxy, and Giassi's artist from Columbus Crew. Uh, remember Giassi coming off an injury and then having to play the entire season at one point was a right back for the LA Galaxy. Don't forget that. In fact, never forget that. Uh, that's one of those interesting things. And now has uh, had 19 goals in the regular season with a hat trick at the end there uh, and scored his first of the playoffs, which gives Columbus a one nothing lead. I would not be shocked or surprised at all uh, if Giassi's artist uh, gets that that award just that i think what did you say didn't you tell me did you already mention it i wasn't paying attention that what uh, the the most american goals uh scored in major league soccer since mike mcgee no i didn't know that but that's a good stat I, i'm pretty sure that's correct yeah that. yeah yeah i'm pretty sure i'm 19 now i don't know who told me that now i'm scared um but no i i think mike mcgee may have had 20 goals um in his uh in his mvp uh, season whenever he was with the Chicago Fire after he left the LA Galaxy uh, and was a designated player for the Chicago Fire uh, and and did that. So I think Jossie's artist with the 19. So he's he's played really well. The other ones, uh, of course, Latan Ibrahimovic uh, nominated for the Landon Donovan MLS MVP award, which pretty sure it's going to head go over to Joseph Martinez of Atlanta United uh, for all the goals he scored in the regular season. I, I think Carlos Vela was another finalist there, correct? He was. So was Wayne Rooney, uh, Miguel Amoron, uh, Zlatan, and Joseph Martinez. Those are the ones. And then uh, newcomer of the year finalist Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, for this award, by the way, they define newcomer as a player with previous professional experience who made his MLS debut in 2018. The three picks here are Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Wayne Rooney, and Carlos Vela. 
So where did th- those guys played soccer before this year? Yeah, it seems like it. So maybe somewhere else, oh, smaller yeah. clubs, clearly. Huh. Uh, but anyway, so those are those awards, and and that's sort of where uh, where it stands. All right, I want to get to su- to some questions from the listeners who tweeted at us uh, and also called in. So let's do our first one. This is Brian from Greece. Yes, Greece, the the country, not Greece. The musical. The musical. Thank you. I was looking for something that you 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 completed you you complete me. Kevin. I, I complete you yes. exactly. That's it. All right. So here's Brian from Greece. Hey, Josh, this is Brian in Greece. Recently, uh, Jeff Carlisle over at ESPN wrote an article, and uh, he quoted, quoted Klein as saying, you know, out of the process we're going through, the culture and definition of the galaxy and our team from top to bottom and how we operate needs to be defined internally and externally in terms of how we're going to play and what type of club that we are and what type of club that we are going to be. In your opinion, and if Kevin's there, in his opinion, or whoever the co-host is, if you have one, in your guys' opinion, is that just a lot of words to kind of calm down the storm to get people to go, oh, look, they're going to make changes? Or do you think this thing is actually a catalyst of some sort of that over the next couple of years we're going to see a dramatic shift in the culture of the galaxy? Do you do you think any of those are likely out of his statements, or is he just talking? And also, I guess maybe the supporter group over at Camp No is not – anywhere near as loud as Angel City Brigade and the Riot Squad are. So if they're listening, shout out to them because they bring the noise. There, there we go. All right, Brian from Greece. All right. Uh, all right. We heard this statement from Chris Klein. I'll let it, He speaks on the supporters. Uh, I, I thought that was great, so that's, that's cool to hear. Um, but we, we heard this stuff from Chris Klein, Kevin. This I don't believe this feels like the first time he's ever said it. No, and you know what? I was thinking that connection was pretty good. Maybe he means like he's a um, like he works at a garage and he's standing in Greece. Maybe he's could calling, be, could be. Yeah, um, it's funny that he mentioned that because I talked to Chris Klein on Friday, and I'm looking at the quotes now that I wrote down the transcription. He said, "We need to have a club with a clearly defined structure, both internally and externally, that we can live by." And then his next sentence was. Um, and I said, well, that, that seems weird that you're looking for that now. Shouldn't the club always have that? And he said, I don't believe that we have had that, at least not the way that it needs to be internally and externally. So he has these talking points. I think you're probably going to hear it. You may have heard it before. You're certainly going to hear it over and over again. Now he's decided that those are his talking points. But yeah, it does seem to me that that's something the club always should have had. Uh, you talk about club culture. Um, but I, I do get the sense that it, it is just simply a talking point, that there's really nothing behind it, that uh, it's not going to lead to any – there will be changes, but I don't think that statement, the talk about in, uh, defined structure internally and externally, I don't believe that that is going to drive that. I think these are just simply talking points that you will hear, hear him repeat over and over again. And by the way, another thing I pointed out in the in – the, uh, interview that we had when he talked about we're going to if you remember another thing that he said over and over again is we're going to have a deep dive evaluation we're going to look at everything in the front office we're going to look at everything that we do and I said you know you said the exact same thing last year so why should we believe you this year and he said I understand that I get that we can only be judged by what comes out of this process and again you wanted us to judge you last year what came out of the process and nothing good came out of it so again uh, why should we believe it this year all right. No, I mean, I think it's interesting. Uh, just trying to look. I mean, you, you remember their culture, Kevin. And by the way, welcome back, Squeaky Chair. We forgot to say that Squeaky Chair would be oh, involved yeah, in this. Oh, yeah, Squeaky Chair is back. Yeah, I was going to. 
Mrs. Panda's in the other room, and I can't borrow her office chair. So why can't you just switch chairs with her and be like, "Hey, you get the squeaky chair for ten minutes or or an hour while I record." I maybe maybe we need to get a GoFundMe together to get you a non-squeaky chair. Maybe that's the real the real answer. Or some WD forty might be easier. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get a GoFundMe together for a can of WD forty. Uh, no, but anyway, so you know, one of the things that we we talk about is the looking back on the galaxy and since Bruce Arena left, and you remember Kevin specifically whenever Bruce left, uh, there was this, and I'll call it. What it was. There was this arrogance from the front office that we're the galaxy. Uh, you know, nothing's going to change in terms of with Bruce leaving, we're going to be exactly the same. And, and that just wasn't the case. Bruce wasn't arrogant because he because he said things like that. Bruce was arrogant because he won MLS Cups uh, and he took the galaxy to four MLS Cups and he won three of them uh, and that he's won five MLS Cups total. I mean, this is a guy who 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 finds success and greatness where he goes because he works hard in what he does and he's allowed to be arrogant because of that and I wouldn't even call Bruce arrogant uh, maybe ego driven and and a ton of fun to cover and I'm with you I, I really like Bruce as well but you look at that and so you had this LA Galaxy front office that didn't have a defined culture because basically they were just saying well, well of course we're the galaxy we know what it means but they didn't know what it means and they've fallen flat on all those promises now and now you go with Kurt Alfo and that didn't work and you go with Siggy Schmidt and that didn't work uh, you have Dominic Kinnear right in there right now and I, I don't think that's going to be a, a long-term solution either. So you look at all those things and, and what the Galaxy have said they were going to do, and most of it was just lip service and, and a bunch of hot air, and now they have to go, and if they are actually doing this deep dive, Kevin, if they're actually going in and defining what the culture means and, and all those things, and that's great, but you just it's difficult to believe that the same people who said we're the galaxy and we're always going to define ourselves by winning championships. Well, good. Then, then this, then the tenure since Bruce Arena left has been an absolute failure. Uh, you know what this means? It's that this is really hard to do. You, you think, you know, yeah. they, they thought, I, again, I, I get the sense that what they wanted to do was just throw everything that Bruce had done out the window and show that they could win too. And they got some uh, serious slap upside the head that this is not easy that it you know eight years of making the playoffs and three mls cups in that time four appearances in the mls cup final i think lord fans too lord you know supporters and everybody else the media everybody front office everybody thought this was easy that it was ordained that the galaxy got a a buy into the into the conference finals every year and and you know what? It's hard. It's hard. Bruce is really good. That's why he did it. It's hard for everybody else. It was my, during whenever the LA Galaxy won back-to-backs in 2011, 2012. I had to remind people constantly how difficult it was to win back-to-back championships, to win your league twice in a row, and then to even try to attempt it in 2013, and then to come back and do it in 2014. All those things are so hard to do, and it took uh, you know a, a coaching staff and an organization that was supporting that those guys and in their efforts and pointing them to those MLS Cups and, and that type of thing. So it's just Again, sort of keep looking at it. Uh, let's go to another question we got tweeted at us from Al, uh, Alvaro. Alvaro says, "What would be your moves?" And I think we we've we've sort of you know fa- you know he says fantasy or, or realistically speaking, I'm going to talk just about the front office for a second because that's really I think the most important thing for me right now. Uh, what I would do is is sort of what we outlined. I think you either bring in a general manager like Ali Curtis, a guy who has done it and been there and has the experience to do it and can go in there with some uh, enough gravitas, Kevin, to be able to tell uh, the everybody else around him that this is the way we're going and it's this way or I'm out of here type of guy because, you know, I feel like there's been too much interference in in the plans that have been put in place. Uh, but front office-wise, the biggest thing to do is to get a GM. If you bring in Bruce Arena and you make him president of soccer operations, in my mind, that's a great idea. You bring in somebody like Todd Dunavant as the general manager, great. Now you have those guys. Then you go to work on the scouting department. You, you retain Kurt Schmidt 
whatever you have to do, you keep Kurt Schmidt in the organization with this newly formed organization, and you keep him there as the the director of scouting um, and player personnel. He is the guy who you need there because the Galaxy are woefully short on scouts, and it's one of the areas they need to improve. Uh, you go in and you do a complete revamp of the rest of the front office, which includes you know making sure you have analytics guys, Kevin. It's making sure that you're backing up that on the field product. And this is before you have a head coach. You go in with a head coach, you find a head coach that's going to work for you, whether that's Caleb Porter, or if that's really the way that they feel they're going to go with an organizational structure behind them, like Bruce Arena and Todd Donovan, you can go with a guy who I think is maybe a little more underwhelming. Um, and I would consider Caleb Porter a little bit underwhelming in terms of what the LA Galaxy do. Uh, whether you go over to Europe, you could then go over to Europe with the structure now set in the front office because you need a guy who can coach, not a guy who needs to find talent and scouts and that type of thing. That's something that you can do uh, through the, the strength in front office. So for me, the key to the entire LA Galaxy, and that goes from on the field to off the field, Kevin, is to reinforce that front office and give it an actual structure that can make decisions and, and pull the trigger quickly on moves that they need to make, um, and that means all the support stuff behind it. Well, bigger than that is somebody has to be uh, have the ability. The buck has to stop somewhere. One of the things I'm hearing about this front office is that there are certain decisions that Pete is supposed to make, and Pete sometimes has trouble making decisions. Uh, he slow walks a lot of things because maybe lack of confidence, maybe a little uncertainty, maybe he just wants to be sure. But he slow walked a few things that didn't get done this year, and then there are other decisions that Chris gets to make, and then. Uh, you know, I've heard stories about Ziggy, who was supposed to be given final say over player personnel matters, going to one, and then the, and then that person would check with the other, and there was no there was no sense of who had the final say. And the Galaxy did lose, I know, at least one player they wanted to sign a midfielder at midseason uh, because of that. So there has to be the buck has to stop somewhere. Now, if it stops with Chris Klein, fine. If Todd Dunovic goes to Chris Klein and Chris Klein says yes or no, and then that's the decision. But this whole idea of, well, go check with Pete. No, go check with Jovan. See what Chris thinks. Let's uh, let's think about it. Let's wait for a week. No, that's not going to get it done. So, because, you know, the other thing is, is, is when it's done that way, well, who's responsible for the mistakes? Well, Pete right. made this mistake and Chris made that mistake and Jovan didn't sign off on this thing. There's no accountability. So whatever happens, when they, they set up this new front office structure, there needs to be a person who is responsible for everyone uh, or for everything and takes the responsibility. So if it doesn't work out, then we know who the scapegoat is. Yeah, it's a, it's very interesting. People asking about uh, Gilbert. Gilbert writes in and says, uh, says uh, if the Galaxy could package Gio and Jonah to Club America in a trade deal but have to pay final year of salary, does that hit their roster or a separate category? Is there anything like this being considered or should we say goodbye to Roman now? I, I, listen, I don't think anything is even close to being uh, settled here and trying to package Gio and Jonah certainly isn't a new idea. Uh, as terms of salary and, and that type of thing, I would imagine that as designated players, you I know you get to buy out a contract, but if you're paying salary somewhere else, that's an interesting question. I might imagine it. This is what I imagine is that MLS says that the club is responsible for paying that money, especially being there in DP contracts. Um, and that it won't necessarily hit the salary cap, but that the team would end up paying that money. Uh, so well, what they would do is they would, if let's say it's $6 million left on Gio's contract and he goes to Club America, it, the Galaxy would just write a check for $6 million. They wouldn't keep paying it over the years. So I don't think there'd be any hit on the cap. The Galaxy would be out $6 million, but what we keep hearing is AEG is just, uh, you know, uh, 
money is just pouring out of the spigots over there. So it, it's hard for them to talk about how they can afford to pay Zalatan $12 million, which they said a year ago, and now they can't afford to pay $6 million to get rid of GEO and create a space for Zalatan. So I, I don't I don't know the rules. I don't know that anybody knows the, the salary rules um, uh, to that degree. But my understanding is, yes, they get to buy out one contract, has to be bought out in the offseason. We're in the offseason now. Right. And that it doesn't affect their salary cap going forward, but that they are responsible. The Galaxy alone are responsible for that money that needs to be paid. Well, see, and that makes sense on a buyout. The interesting thing is if you package Jonah and Geo, is that considered two buyouts now, or is that considered oh, one buyout, yeah. or is, or is it not a buyout because it's a transfer? See, there's lots of things that get in there and, and, and sort of get in the way. Uh, you know, a, a, again, people asking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, about DP deals, you know, what happens if all this stuff... Listen, if Zlatan leaves and wants to leave, the LA Galaxy say thank you very much, and they try to, you know, uh, move on as quickly as possible uh, from that because... It it's going to be embarrassing if Zlatan Ibrahimovic decides to leave the Galaxy after being there for, you know, less than a year, uh, less than a full season uh, that he has now seen. Because it, here's the deal, Kevin. If he leaves and it's not a money issue, let's say the contract really is an option and that he can come back, but it's not a money issue. And let's pretend that it's not motivated. Then the only motivation for him to leave then is that the LA Galaxy as an organization isn't good enough. Right, that isn't wasn't up to the standards that he didn't sign up for that. That's really the the only explanation you can sort of go into if it's not a money issue. Well, there's some more things to to think about though um, that agents will certainly think about, and you think about uh, De Jong and his contract and it, him signing, saying, "Hey, if I perform up to this level." you will reward me with a DP contract and bring me back. And then AEG saying, no, we're going to bench you. We're not going to allow that that rider to take effect. And now we're going to, where do you want to go? We'll send you to uh, Getal Resrey. We'll send you to Turkey uh, and, uh, you know, be done with you. So now uh, another player coming in uh, to the Galaxy, knowing that history, do they want to do that? You know, Ashley Young or Ashley Cole, geez, Ashley Young. Ashley Cole talked about when he first came in, that there was a handshake agreement that if he performed to a certain level that he would get some extra cash too. Right. Um, that was a handshake agreement with Bruce. That was never honored. So that's strike two. Um, now if all of a sudden if Zalatan was brought in believing a certain uh, set of facts and he winds up leaving because he's unhappy, it's going to be really hard for the Galaxy to continue to attract big names if some of these stories get out, that the Galaxy are not necessarily honoring their contracts. Yeah, it's that's why it's a huge blackout. That's why the, you let them go without trying to hold them to a contract. You can't have it linger in the in the public realm for any period of time uh, past the fact that he's leaving in this announcement. So anyway, uh, the LA Galaxy, again, scheduled a, uh, a media availability uh, for players and uh, I would imagine coaches and, uh, and Chris Klein, uh, president of the LA Galaxy, uh, there as well for Tuesday, November 6th, uh, roughly uh, early in the morning, rather early in the morning, actually, when you think about it, about 9 a.m. is whenever uh, I think the media are supposed to be there. So we should have updates. So if you're listening to this, it is past that time. Head over to Twitter, uh, head over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. We'll try to keep everything updated, but understand we're going to be there probably for a little while um, and that uh, I'm not sure Zlatan speaks first or maybe he does and that gets that out of the way. So trying to find out exactly what's going on with Zlatan is going to be, I think, everybody's main key goal there and we'll see whether or not he obliges and uh, and we have a resolution to this early in the offseason and uh, of course everybody leaves happy because Zlatan Ibrahimovic is coming back or everybody's very upset because uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is leaving. Can, maybe we should record two endings for the show Kevin. Yeah, we, exactly. One, oh, the LA Galaxy, uh, you know, dodged a bullet there. Uh, they definitely kept Zlatan Ibrahimovic. How about that press conference, huh Josh? Woo, good one. that, wow. Good one. And then and then the, the other one, the sad one, oh, wow. I did not, I, I really I didn't, didn't see 
see it coming. coming. Yeah, didn't see that one coming. So those are, those are your two reactions for the press conference. But we should have a show on Thursday night. Uh, I'm planning on doing a show on Thursday night. Might be a solo show, might not be. Uh, I'm trying to get some uh, possibility of some guests as well. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, but I should have all the information that we learned from Tuesday night on Thursday, or Tuesday morning on Thursday night. So uh, keep an eye open for that on cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, Kevin, anything? I'm going right to, Larry's going to be there, right? I'm going right to his Twitter feed to find out what's La- going on. Larry Morgan on. not on Twitter? He's, 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 if you tweet anything, Kevin, I guarantee you he reads it. He's a lurker is what he is. He's a lurker. So just, you know, be careful. Don't, don't tweet about Larry. He'll, he'll read it and he'll know right away. All right. Uh, anything else, Mr. Baxter? You good? No, well, yeah. As far as as far as we know, I, mean, I know. I have no I, idea what's going to happen twelve hours from now. It's one day early. Sometimes it works in our favor, Kevin. Sometimes things break over the weekend, and you're like, "Oh, see, look, we got it." Uh, and then sometimes it doesn't, and it doesn't work out that way. And who knows? Maybe nothing of any substance is said on Tuesday, and we have missed nothing, uh, or the biggest news ever in the history of the LA Galaxy happened on Tuesday, and you're listening to this podcast, and it's already expired. But regardless, hey, what of about that, this? What yeah. if the Galaxy planned this? Okay, it's a big announcement, and they're doing it on election day, figuring that. Nobody will notice that it very well. It's 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 a way to keep us from voting. That's for sure. Right. That's, yeah, that's what exactly. All right. That's their plan. That's their plan. All right. Totally they're trying they're trying to make sure that we don't. Uh, they do not want me voting. I know that. Yeah. They're going to make sure we don't procreate and, and not vote. That's our that's their thing to, to eliminate all, all all reporters from paying attention. All right. Anyway, that's not true, by the way. I don't want somebody will tweet at the galaxy and go, Josh said this. And now that I said that, somebody definitely will do it anyway. Uh, so that's what we got. Uh, are you good, Kevin? Good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, all right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. And head on over to latimes.com for all of his soccer coverage. Do that, please. And apparently 80 inches coming up on uh, on Maradona as well. So you want to check that out as well. Uh, let's see. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And, of course, at Galaxy Podcast on Twitter. Uh, cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our merchandise. Uh, maybe a new shirt coming out for Christmas. Maybe. Yes. I think you can plan on that one. Uh, and of course, uh, head on over there for all of our podcast articles, all that fun stuff, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, Goodbye, everybody.